Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, and I am thrilled to have with me today another licensed therapist, Patrice Douglas, host of the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast, which has its first episode out and intends, I hope I get this right, Patrice, to be ramping back up uh, later this summer and fall. Uh, Patrice, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My pleasure. So we um, were kind of connected through a, a fellow colleague online, as is everyone meets and, and connects online now, right now, because we're not doing any in-person, um, you know, meet and greets. So I was I was thrilled that I got your name, and I'm thrilled that you're doing uh, a podcast similar to mine, because I just think these topics are so important to be talking about right now. So you and I were talking about different issues we could possibly address or shows we could talk about. And you suggested the show that we're going to be talking about today. It's also based on a book by Celeste. I'm going to try to pronounce her name. Is it Ng? I believe it's pronounced Celeste Ng. Yeah. The book slash show that is now on Hulu is called Little Fires Everywhere. So Patrice, I was so glad that you chose this because I really think that um, families are struggling for a lot of reasons right now due to quarantine and coronavirus and all this different stuff. And we have some families in a, in a crisis of their own in this story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm thrilled to talk about little fires everywhere right after this break. Little fires everywhere written by Celeste Ng follows the intertwined fates of the picture-perfect Richardson family and an enigmatic mother and daughter who upend their lives. The story explores the weight of secrets, the nature of art and identity, the ferocious pull of motherhood, and the danger in believing that following the rules can avert disaster. That's a really interesting uh, summary that I pulled from Wikipedia. I don't know that it fully captures everything in the story (laughs) because it's such a complex but beautifully told story. So real quick, um, it focuses on the Richardson family um, and the the Warren family, I should say. Um, excuse me. Um, Mia and Pearl Warren. Mia played by Carrie Washington and Pearl played by Lexi Underwood. And the Richardson family um, starring Reese Witherspoon as Elena, uh, Joshua Jackson as Bill, uh, let's see. I'm going to go through the kids. We have Jade Pettyjohn as Lexi Richardson, Lexi, excuse me, uh, Megan Stott as Izzy Richardson, Gavin Lewis as Moody Richardson, Jordan Elsass as Trip Richardson. So we have a complex family situation. So, um, you know, Patrice, if you wouldn't mind, um, could you kind of set up the story for us? You know, how are we initially introduced to these characters and how do these two families come together? Uh, Well, the Warrens, uh, Mia and Pearl, are moving in to Shaker. Um, Such an interesting name for a city. Yeah, a small Um, town in, I think, Ohio, right? Yeah, so they're moving into Shaker. Um, You can kind of tell based off of how it starts that they are very accustomed to not staying in one place very long. Yeah. Um. And so this seems like it's just another, you know, uh, step in their journey and they're looking for a place to stay. And so they um, answer an ad that um, Elena, played by Reese Witherspoon, um, for um, it looks like like an apartment or a flat, per se, um, that she's renting out because the uh, renters before her left. And so we're kind of set up where 
you could tell that uh, Elena is kind of hesitant about certain things, but there's something about, I'm sorry, Mia is hesitant yeah. about taking the space, but Elena, for some reason, really wants to give it to her almost at nothing. Yeah, it's really pushy about it. Yeah, almost like she feels like she has to be the savior. Like she sees how they're living. She really doesn't do any research. She kind of just wants to give it to them. So it's like her good deed for the day, as you can kind of sense that about Elena, that her motive. Yeah, so that's a really good description of Elena as a person in general, right? She kind of does things at what what at times might seem like, you know, kind things going out of her way to to offer opportunities to Mia and Pearl. But then we also see through the story that, you know, she's doing things to look good or doing things to, you know, make use of her status in the town, right? Her privilege, really. So she's just a fascinating character. And as Mia and Pearl, you know, adapt to being in Shaker, I think Elena even tries to, to offer uh, Mia a job as basically a maid in the house, right? Correct. Yeah, but but... To Mia, to Mia's credit, you know, she comes off as just a very um, strong, independent mother who wants to, you know, show her daughter that they can take care of themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So we have these two families, you know, set up in this very interesting dynamic um, where, you know, one family in the Richardsons is you know, trying to help out the the Warrens in a way, but they also sort of become intertwined in other ways. So um, Pearl, Mia's daughter, eventually ends up going to the same school as all the Richardson children mm-hmm. and becomes pretty close friends with some, if not all of them. Yeah, it sounds like she had a really great relationship with him. Uh, Moody was the first to really embrace her. Yes. And um, unfortunately, Moody stayed in the friend zone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, probably somewhere he didn't want to be. Um, but he I mean, Moody was like the best friend to her to make sure that, you know, she was able to get around in school, um, support her. He was really trying to embrace the things that she was very interested in. Um, and then I think the next person that she became closer with is Izzy, um, yep. which is ironic because Izzy becomes very close to Mia. Um, yeah. And then I think with Lexi, that just came with the territory. And then she was just head over heels, uh, infatuated with Trip. So Pearl um, Pearl had a really interesting dynamic with the family because it seems yeah. like it was the environment that she always wanted to have that Mia wasn't able to provide. And so she was very drawn to Elena immediately. Yeah, so we have this dynamic where Pearl, you know, is having dinner at the Richardson's house and is really kind of settling in, getting comfortable with this, really this other family. And I think, I mean, would you get, would you, was it safe to say that Mia was concerned about that? Oh, for sure. I think there's yeah. a lot of reasons why she was concerned. Yeah. Um, and so you can already tell the hesitation, but I think walking in from just the beginning of the apartment, Mia was already hesitant about Elena. So I think that's where it started. Yeah. So then to kind of set up, you know, the mental health conversation that we're having today, you know, we're really in, in, a, in a way dealing with like a blended family situation. You know, they're not blood related, but this family gets very close in a lot of different ways. You know, as you said, um, you know, Moody gets infatuated with Pearl. Pearl and and Lexi kind of develop a relationship. Izzy kind of sees Mia as a substitute mother. Um, so we have all these sort of blending things going on. 
And I don't know if, if you have a lot of experience working with kids or families. I have a fair amount. And I know that, you know, anytime you're dealing with blended family situation, it, it really heightens the the tension level like things can little things which what happens in in this story eventually little things gradually turn into bigger things right and that's sort of the i think the reason for the title right little fires everywhere yes yeah so we have this slowly developing tension and in different levels so and and so to kind of set up um you know your background share share with the audience a little bit about um, so obviously you're a, a licensed therapist, but what is your, your background in terms of, uh, how you work with people? Um, so I have, um, various, uh, populations experience. So, um, I am a clinic director for an outpatient substance abuse, um, organization. And then I have my own, uh, private practice, which is called Empire Counseling and Consultation, um, that is centered in California, but is also in different states as I am licensed in multiple states. And I work a lot with, um, and you know, the addiction side, of course, I work with, um, those sure. that are struggling with addiction, but in my private practice, I work a lot with, um, minorities as, as uh, specifically, um, blacks. I work a lot with black men as that's my specialty. And of course mm-hmm. I do work with everyone else where I specialize in anxiety, depression, parenting conflicts, relationship conflicts, biracial conflicts, mm. um, you name it, A through Z, um, I'm tackling it. Anything that is related to minority mental health. Uh, which we are, we have a lot of complex issues. Um, I definitely address it. And so little fires everywhere. Yeah, so, so that being your expertise, you know, you're watching this show. I don't know. Did you read the book as well? I did not read the book. Okay. I haven't um, read the book either, but, but I understand that um, at least in the book, um, Mia and, and Pearl's race is not identified, but I think the fact that they, um, that they cast Carrie Washington and and Lexi Underwood in these roles, I think makes the really brings to life, I think, this story and brings to life the layers that that these people are dealing with. Absolutely. So, so as you see these families starting to blend, I'm sure your, you know, your little warning light starts going off. So what where are your concern levels as we start these we start to see these relationships develop? Um well, I can just tell that there's a disconnect with Mia and Pearl, I can tell that Mia is very invested in Pearl to where there's a severe codependency between them two. Mm. Um, and that's because they that's all that they've known is each other. Um, as you get more into the plot as to why they moved around so much, um, as to why Mia is very protective of Pearl, um, it seemed like as as Pearl is in high school, she's, you know, of age, of that age where she's trying to find herself. Um, The freedom where she's asking more questions and having a little bit more um, ability to express herself that doesn't align with her mother. Are you still there? I'm sorry. (laughs) You still hear me? Yeah, you're good. Keep going. Okay. Um, You get to see um, as, you know, Pearl gets, she's older and she's trying to find her way. And then she's having um, individuals that are influencing her and giving her that strength to really come out of her shell. You can tell that there is a um there's a a shift in how Mia and Pearl are able to communicate and so that's one of the things that we see when a parent is almost like a helicopter mom yeah um you know Carrie allow or not Carrie Mia Mia allows you know Pearl to go to school and all that but when it comes to certain situations like someone that may um 
provide a little bit more than she can provide for Pearl or um, encourage Pearl to ask the questions that Mia is not able to answer. Mia wants to shut everything down and put Pearl back into her little cocoon. And so I think throughout the series, you see that Pearl isn't going for it anymore. What once worked before they moved to Shaker is not working in Shaker anymore. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up codependency. So would you mind, um, and I know it's a complicated issue, but just sort of real quick for the audience, for people who don't know, what how would we define codependency? I think codependency gets a really bad rep. Yeah, um, because it sounds very, I guess you would say, toxic in a say. In a, Scary, in a sense. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in reality, is 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 something that is is natural as far as being a human being, but it can yep. it can be a lot if we don't watch it. And so, you know, it's an excessive emotion or psychological uh, reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. So it's pretty much they can't do anything without that other person. Right. And their their emotional well-being is invested in the emotional well-being of the other. Yes. Right. Because I, th- I think we see that with uh, with Elena Richardson as well, especially with her oldest daughter, Lexi, right, who's supposed to be, well, is this straight A student, but is also, you know, dealing with some other, you know, adolescent problems. Um, and then, you know, and I guess she's described as the black sheep of the family, but Izzy is almost like if there is an opposite of codependency, where Elena almost just wants very little to do with her, which is a really sad part of this story. Absolutely. Elena has this um, idea that she has to be perfect. Um, You know, throughout the story, we can see why she really doesn't uh, invest in her own mental wellness, because there's a lot of things that she has regrets with, including even the partner that she decided to marry. Um, I believe, you know, Tripp and Lexi are what, Elena inspires to be perfect, popular, everything. And then when you get to, you know, Izzy, who is completely opposite and not in the same lane as Elena, on top of the dynamic that they had, um, even as um, mother and baby, um, Izzy is the reminder of everything Elena does not like. And so I think that's why she tends to go as much harder on Izzy than the rest of the kids. Yeah, and we we see throughout the series Izzy really rebelling against that idea of not wanting to be perfect, not wanting to fit the expectations of her mother. Um, and you know, and w- listen, we're going to do a spoiler alert now because we're going to probably talk about the the sort of end of, at the very least, the first season of the show, which is what's we're, we're up to now. You know, Izzy ultimately choosing Mia over her mother as you know the person and the family that she really wants to be a part of. Yes, and how the the kids finally realize how unperfect their life is yes and how the ability that their parents have made them feel about how they have to be a certain way which has created a lot of issues even with Lexi and her boyfriend trip with Pearl Moody Izzy is just not having it to the point where that's where you know the title comes from little fires everywhere it's like you know what we are over here acting like life is perfect and look what happened. So let's just start all over again. And yeah. So, so yeah. So to dig in, you know, a little bit more with codependency, if you were to have, and we can do, you know, um, both families, we'll take them one at a time. If you were to have, let's say um, Pearl and Mia. So later on in the, in the series, um, you know, Pearl and Mia both kind of find out some things about each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, let's say um, Pearl talks to her guidance counselor about some of these things that she's really upset about or stressed about. Um, and you bring Pearl and Mia in and you get them in both in for, let's say, a family session. You know, if we're, if they're comfortable working on something like codependency, if that's a shared goal for them, um, what would that work look like? Like, how would you want to get them into a healthier relationship? Oh, that would be. Yeah, I, be, I know it's a big question. <laughs> that'll be. Yeah, that'll be a challenge because yes. it sounds like Pearl would be more on board. It would be more about getting Mia um, on an understanding. And, and to be honest, when we look at it from a cultural perspective, yeah. um, there would need to be I, I would imagine that Mia would probably need um, a, a black therapist or a person of color oh, as sure. somebody that she can trust because you can obviously tell that there are some racial tensions between them two with the whole um, house manager, which is really just the maid and yeah. how Elena assumed that they were going to be friends based off of whatever. Um, I think for me, it would be the, the buy-in of she can trust the therapist. Yeah, that's a great point, right? Because if you're working with a family like Mia and Pearl, Pearl might be resistant to, to participating in a session with, with her mom. But if you can kind of get both of them on board with, look, to a certain degree, both of them want to be independent. Mia probably wants to be more independent from the Richardson family. Pearl probably wants to be more independent as a, as a daughter and as a person, just kind of growing and, and wants to be trusted. Um, but where that codependence comes in is it makes that trust really complicated. So Absolutely. Can, yeah, so we can instill in Pearl this idea that, you know, sort of getting on the same page as her mom, while also if, you know, if you do these things, this is what helps you work towards the independence that you want. But it's also you can't just run away from home. I mean, I guess I don't, I'm trying to remember how old Pearl is when we're watching it. She's about 16. She has to be 15 or 16. 15 or 16, right? Um, so yeah, so that's, and, and I've worked with a lot of kids this age um, in a um, dual diagnosis setting where people are dealing with substance abuse and mental health issues. And it's such a common thing where, you know, the kids in, in many cases know that they're not doing what their parents want to do, and yet they still want more independence than what they're given. Right. And I think with Pearl, I can tell that she's a very compassionate, understanding, oh, yeah. bright um, young woman. And so I think what, uh, what, what worked for her that would help with the codependency is just honesty for Mia. That's all she's yep. looking for. I think that if Mia, even though Mia's story is a wild one as yeah. to why they move around so much, mm -hmm. um, I think given that she that Pearl is always so grateful and she has, she expresses so much gratitude for her mother um, that the things that she is inspiring to have with the Richardsons, um, she, it, it would not diminish, but it wouldn't be as prevalent um, if she wouldn't know why, her, why Mia is so protective over her. Yeah. It's literally just a mystery. And when she asks her about it, you know, Mia gets upset. And then yeah. she goes into this possession. And so that's what creates a toxicity is that Absolutely. when I ask you a question, it shouldn't be that I can't ask you and you don't need to tell me because I'm your, I'm your mother. Um, yep. She's asking a valid question and allow her to use that emotional intelligence that she has to understand it so that you guys can foster a better relationship of trust. Yeah. And, and if I get this background story wrong, please correct me, but basically um, Mia was having Pearl, um, as a surrogate, she was having her for someone else. Yes. I've, um, 
if I remember correctly, uh, Mia was a virgin. And so right. she was on the subway yeah. and um, a man approached her saying that him and his wife were not able to um, yes. produce a child. And so they asked her. And so the whole goal was for her to, you know, be the, the surrogate to give the child to the family. But yep. due to uh, Mia having some losses in her family, she decided to leave. And she wanted to keep her all right. Yeah. Yeah. Because she lost her brother. Right. And her brother. Yeah, was so her as you everything. said, a crazy background that sort of establishes this family um, at this, this, you know, a young age uh, for Mia, but also, you know, for them to be so reliant on each other and, you know, really setting up this codependent relationship. But as, you know, Mia starts to let Pearl in to this reality, Pearl then kind of sees Mia for who she really is and, and all the things that she's done for her. And that really starts to break down some of the, you know, the, the tension and, um, you know, not being able to see and understand each other. And then at the end of the series, we see them driving off together. Are they, I feel like they're going to, is it Mia's parents? Yeah. So right? um, I think that everybody was assuming that she was going to allow Pearl, Pearl was going to be able to meet her biological family, but it was really yes. her meeting her grandparents. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so that being the sort of end of this story, you know, I think we can both hope that if Mia and Pearl are going to move forward together, it, you know, whether they get therapy or not, I think that's you and I, something we, you and I would both hope for. Um, but even if they don't, to be able to build on this work that they've started doing throughout this series, to be open, to be honest with each other and to trust each other, like that's the path forward to where, you know, Pearl can feel like an independent, almost adult, and Mia can feel like, you know, she doesn't have to constantly live in you know, uh, uh, guilt and, and all these other different complex emotions for why she's made the choices that she has. Agreed. And I think that's something that parents, um, you know, across the board can kind of take with them that a lot of times um, they don't tell their children or teens certain things because they feel like it's going to harm them. They don't want to be judged. But in reality, that's setting them up to not really understand certain things about themselves and situations for them to um, adapt to or have better understanding. And so I think, like we talked about before, um, I think the biggest thing with Mia and Pearl is just that there was more transparency. They could alleviate a lot of the um, cross intersecting of family. I totally agree. And, and, and you know, I, so I, I have a four-year-old daughter and I probably go a little bit overboard on this. Like we don't, it's not that we share everything with her, but I do try to establish some of these things that you're talking about where we be open and we be honest about our feelings, right? Um, because I think so much of that creates a relationship where no matter what's happened, you know, Pearl goes through some really intense stressors in her time and Shaker as well. You've established a relationship where whatever the conflict is, whatever the issue is, whatever the feelings are, the family is a place where those the, like, that can contain and can hold those emotions. Absolutely. And I don't know, and I guess maybe from what we've seen, at least with Pearl, she doesn't necessarily see, you know, her mom where like that's a totally safe space to be totally open with what the things have happened to her. Oh, no. And then I think even as we see in the series, um, yep. how Mia is able to be um, vulnerable with other people, but not with Pearl. Yeah, we see right. it with Bibi. Yep. Um, that that whole situation was just like, wow, that all the things that you were doing for Bibi, that's what you know, Pearl wanted, even when 
um, uh, Lexi needed a favor from yeah. Pearl and Mia. Mia was able to embrace um, her. And so you could tell in the moments that Mia was embracing um, others emotionally how hurt Pearl felt. Um, so that's all she's been looking for is for her mother to embrace her emotionally. Yeah. And that's something that, that's been missing. Yes, you brought up um, BB. So, so the, and it's it's both sort of the 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 central story of Little Fires Everywhere, and it's also sort of this crazy backstory that's happening for these two families. So, um, Baby Chow um, is um, a woman, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on this sort of plot development, but who um, has a daughter. Um, now does the daughter get taken away by the state or is it that the, so that's the, excuse me, the McCulloughs, um, who essentially come in and they're friends of the Richardsons and try to adopt BB's daughter. So BB was severely poor and she couldn't care for her baby. And so she left the baby at the fire station. That's right. So then that's how the, uh, baby's daughter ended up with the McCulloughs. Yes, because they adopted her through um, the adoption process after the firefighters picked up the baby from the firehouse. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I, get, I mix up some of the plot points sometimes, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so and then so Elena, um, Reese's character, is supporting the McCulloughs in this adoption process, but then Baby comes back into the picture and wants to reclaim her parental rights, and Mia essentially takes the side of Baby as she you know, gets a part of this family and hears about this story. Um, and Mia, excuse me, Elena is taking the side of, of obviously her friend, Linda McCullough, in this, really in this crazy custody battle. Um, so this whole story is going on in the background and, and maybe we'll get to that, but I really want to kind of go back to the to the Richardson. So, you know, we kind of broke down a little bit of Pearl and Mia's relationship, but then we have the Richardsons, right? Where we have these four kids we, one of which we acknowledged, uh, um, Elena is very upfront and even admits in the process of the series that she did not want Izzy. She did not want a fourth child. Um, so we see these kids and you brought up perfectionism before um, to be raised in this family where, you know, perfectionism is, is not just possible, but expected. And we see each of these kids sort of struggling with that idea in different ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just the dynamic of why it was always such a a tough um, upbringing for Lizzie just stems from, um, you know, Elena at at a point wanted to find her own individuality and was unable to do that when she got pregnant again. And then with um, Bill, Bill was working and not really around. And so you can already see through the pregnancy how she was already detached from Lizzie. Izzy. And so when Izzy was that screaming baby, you know, doing the most, it just created more resentment for Elena. So I think that when it comes to Izzy, Izzy is that reflection of, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, live out my dreams because of you. Um, And so there's, there's always that, that, that interesting dynamic between them two. And even when um, Izzy was a baby, she was taking care of her, even the dynamic of, Elena leaving the house yeah, and, you know, uh, meeting up with somebody that she shouldn't have and how right. that person continues to play a role in their marriage. Um, 
you know, from a human perspective, we can see why there's always been um, an uncomfortable um, distance between Izzy and Elena. And it's not, and it's not uncommon, unfortunately, for uh, parents and children to experience these situations. Right, exactly right. And that's, that's what I was gonna gonna bring up as well. So this dynamic, whether it's, you know, a a disconnect between parent and child, or in Izzy's case, I mean, Izzy's, Izzy's trying to really find herself in different ways, whether it's with her sexuality, whether it's with her, you know, her relationship with Mia, and, and frankly, a mother figure who accepts and, and validates and loves her as in the way that she wants to be loved. Um, it's really hard to watch. I mean, the, the hardest thing I think to watch for me was, you know, this scene where and this is later on in the series where they're trying to take a Christmas picture. Right. And Izzy sort of doesn't want to be in the picture and then comes down, but isn't wearing the, what Elena wanted her to wear. And they take the picture and then Elena actually cuts physically cuts Izzy out of the Christmas family picture um, because I guess she wasn't, dressed the right way or wasn't smiling and you know basically wasn't doing what elena asked she didn't fit the mold of the family that's right and um i want to say uh elena's husband bill walks in on her doing this yeah right um and for for a family for a mom to be literally cutting one of the children out of the family you just have to think, wow, you know, any one of these kids could be in could be in therapy for different reasons. But we especially, I think, associate this with Izzy, where she so clearly needs more support than what she's getting at home. Yes. And, you know, I think that was the interesting shift was that Izzy had, you know, the big house. She had right. the mom, the dad. She didn't want for anything, any 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 activity, anything that she wanted to do. She had it. She had the siblings, but she yearned to be with Mia in Mia's yep. environment. And, you know, I think it's because they, you know, they had this similar interest of the artistry, you know, type and all of that. But it's yep. amazing how, you know, we always look at life as if I just had a bigger house, if I could just go on vacation, if I had this car, you know, life would be so much better. But there are people out there that have it and, and want what others think that is nothing. They'd rather have that than what they have. And I think that was the biggest thing for Izzy was that she wanted Mia to be her mother. And that's because Mia embraced her for who she was. She didn't try to put her in a box. She nope. didn't try to convince her to do otherwise. Um, She felt uh, respected and she felt welcomed. Things that she has not felt from her family. Even though the family dynamic, you know, siblings are going to be siblings. But, of course. you know, for... um for Elena to always miss the mark when it came to describing Izzy or troubleshooting what Izzy was feeling. I can see why she wanted to run to somebody else that would understand her more. Absolutely. So that, that understanding and really validation that she gets from Mia is, is all she's looking for, right? Is to be seen and accepted for who she is or who she's trying to figure out who she is. Right. You know, cause validation, you know, when I've worked with kids, you know, obviously there's this normal teenage thing of like parents just don't understand. But I think for kids who are dealing with, you know, depression, anxiety, um, trauma, you know, this is very frequently part of the uh, equation and what struggles they're experiencing is that, you know, I've worked with kids who whose parents 
um, didn't support them or didn't think they needed therapy. And in fact, discouraged them from going into therapy because it's like, oh, come on, you don't you don't need all that. Um, and, and really invalidating the problems that they're trying to express. And that that's sort of how I felt watching Izzy was, wow, if Izzy, you know, told her mom or dad that like, hey, I think I probably need to be in therapy. Um, like Elena would probably be shocked and confused and would be like, no, you don't. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, and then because it's such a small town, as we know, right. with um, Lexi. Yes. She probably wouldn't have had any of it. She probably wouldn't even allow her to go to therapy because then everybody would know that the Richardsons are not a perfect family. Right. So and that and that is the thing that Elena is always trying to protect and also project is this sort of sense of perfection. So then we have you brought up Lexi, which I think is another, you know, real fascinating um, dynamic. So Lexi is a straight A student, but she's trying to get into Yale, I want to say. I believe so. Right? I don't think and, it was Harvard. I think it was you. Yeah. And and the way that she ends up doing that is by essentially plagiarizing or taking or, you know, does, I always sort of miss that. Is it that Pearl writes an essay and, and you know, Lexi basically co-ops it um, or does Lexi rewrite it? I always miss the sort of exactly what difference happened within that exchange. But but more or less, Lexi steals a story from Pearl. Yes. So Pearl didn't write anything. It was her true experience. It was just her actual story. Yeah. It was her actual story of um, Pearl wanted to prove that the math class that she was in was lower than what she needed to be. But because she had been in so many schools and then we put um, the stereotypes of, you know, where's your dad? You don't have a dad. You move around too much. You're probably not smart. You don't need to be in this class. You need to be in the lower math. Um, that was the struggle that Pearl was going through as a young black adolescent. Right. And so everybody kept telling um, Lexi that she has nothing to worry about. Like she's privileged, this and this and that. And so to create a story that she needed um, like equal opportunity, she created a story as if she was like a black woman that went through a struggle. And so she pretty much took uh pearl story and made it into an essay to get into yale affirmative right. action in a sense right absolutely and and you know and lexi i guess co-opted it a little bit into creating it into more of like a story about sexism um being discriminated against for a different reason but but really you know stole this life experience from pearl um and used it for her own benefit you know something that you know when it comes out elena is kind of shocked but it's also something that, I mean, in a twisted way, you could almost imagine Elena like supporting, like if you get too into Yale, you do what you have to do. Like if you have to pay off a mom for her daughter, you do it. If you have to do this to get what you want, like use in some ways, she would almost use her privilege for that, for that, you know, bad reason. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just wild to see that, you know, how this sort of mother's actions and the way that she abuses her privilege in a lot of ways gets passed on in such a casual way to, to Lexi, where it, it really feels like initially she doesn't necessarily see what's wrong with it, or at least we don't see her kind of grappling with that decision. Um, but then the kind of the more it, it comes out and other people find out, then it's really like something that she actually is ashamed of. Very ashamed of. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And I just imagine, you know, having someone like Lexi, um, 
you know, getting help. Obviously, she's under this incredible amount of pressure um, to be perfect. And in a lot of ways, she is doing it, right? She is a straight A student. She is succeeding in all these different ways. But when it comes down to, you know, that sort of final push, um, she kind of goes outside of herself and, and she uses a tactic that probably her mother was using and, and does use in some ways um, in getting her to the next level. So if you had someone, you know, like Lexi, you know, let's say she doesn't end up going to, to Yale, let's say she ends up going to college uh, somewhere else, but she's now dealing with all of this shame and guilt um, and, and probably loss. Like obviously, spoiler alert, the, the house does end up getting burned down and we'll talk about who and why in a second. But, but Lexi and, and all the kids are going to be dealing with some sense of loss, but presumably their, their life's going to go on. So helping Lexi kind of get through this loss and shame and guilt would be a, a, a long process. A very long process because there's going to be a lot um, of history lessons yep. that she has to learn about the black culture. She go, was yep. dating a black, a black adolescent. Um, the things that she did to Pearl, not only did she steal her story, but she actually um, used her name for when she needed to go to the doctor. Right. Um, so to take care of something. Yes, yes. Yeah, she she used her because um, Elena's friend worked at the same clinic. And that's why I went back to, um, you know, Izzy probably couldn't go to therapy because Elena wouldn't have wouldn't have allowed it because Shaker is such a small town. They probably all know each other. But it, um, Lexi would definitely need a history lesson on the black experience and as to why certain things you just don't do. And that's your privilege to even be able yeah. to do things like that and then get to you know, what, what was it like for you to feel like you had to live a certain lifestyle in order to be accepted? And that right mm. there is a lot of trauma that she's going to have to totally um, unravel. Yeah. But I feel like out of all of the, all of the kids, she'll be ready for it. She's tired of living this life. Mm. She's tired, tired of acting like she's popular. Um, I think she's tired of not liking Izzy. They're yeah. always at odds. And I think out of all the kids, Lexi would be the one that would take therapy seriously. Yeah, that's a great point. So because of the pressure that she sees that, that she's been under and, and does rebel against in her own ways, you know, she's, and then, so, yeah, so I guess we'll just kind of talk about it. Right. Uh, so the, the ultimate uh, fire in this story as things build and build and build uh, in the last episode is initially it's Izzy who after um I don't remember the exact event that preceded this. Obviously, it was a lot of... Oh, no. Yes, I do. Um, basically, Elena kicked Mia and Pearl out of the house. Yes. Right. So she kicked them out. Um, Izzy finds this out. And I think, understandably, as Mia was a, essentially a mother figure to her, has this breakdown and starts you know, dumping stuff on her bed and um, pouring gasoline on it. And I think... Lexi or maybe one of her brothers walks in, sees this and starts kind of freaking out like what's happening. So even within the kids, they're having different experiences of stress, of trauma. Absolutely. They're starting to see that things are unraveling. They're starting yep. to see that they're sick and tired of being sick and tired of acting like everything is okay. And it all stems from their, in a sense, Elena and how they, how she groomed them 
to do certain things a certain type of way and hold themselves to a certain standard that it's just not capable they're not capable of and then they look at their parents and they said they're not holding to those same standards either so it's just literally like a disaster to the point where they're just like i'm sick of this and of course izzy is the one to start the trend because she is the the rebel but i think in you know in a metaphorical sense izzy is setting everybody free yeah right exactly i love that because as Lexi um, and Trip and Moody kind of see Izzy doing this, they have this realization of like, well, hold on. Yeah, like our our lives, our family is really screwed up. Maybe what Izzy's doing is, you know, even if it's extreme, it's like maybe it's right. I think I think Lexi even says like maybe she's the only one that gets it. Um, so they ultimately all set fires to the house. They were able to get uh, uh, Elena out of the house. I don't think Bill was home, um, but they get Elena out. So all, all the kids get out. The house is on fire, and this happens sort of through the night. And then one of the closing scenes, we see Elena um, taking responsibility you know, for the fires being set. I wonder what you thought of Elena in that moment. I think Elena was a, le- a relief, too. Sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think that she was relieved in a sense um, because everything was coming to a very slow or very fast decline in in all areas. Her husband realizing that she still had contact with the ex. um, Mia and Pearl are leaving everybody in the house other than her husband, of course, is all upset because, you know, you got Trip Pearl, Moody, even though Moody stayed in the friend zone. Yeah. They were very invested in the Richardson. So the fact that they were never going to see them again uh, was devastating. And I think that's that's what set everything off. Because, like, you know what? We do everything that you wanted to do. You now got rid of the one person that we all felt like we could hang out with. We're done. Like, we can't have anything. You ruined everything. You influenced everything. And so I think that just set everybody off. And I think that this fresh start of the home being burnt and they're going to have to get a new home, I think that'll also reset Elena's expectations for herself and just to live her best life Mm. as who she is today. Um, I think that 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 house was a a symbol of prison for all of them. I love that. I love that analogy because I I did want to ask you, you know, assuming this gets uh, picked up for a second season, I'd love to talk about, you know, sort of what our hopes or expectations are for these different characters as they cope moving forward, right? Because for all of them, they just went through a trauma, right? Mia and Pearl kicked out of their house, moving in with other family for the Richardsons, um, you know, house burning down, all these sort of... um, you know, secrets being revealed. This is a really traumatic event. So what would your hope for, you know, as a, you know, licensed therapist, what would your hope be for how these people cope with the situation? Well, I do know um, that unfortunately it won't be renewed because I think that was the end from what I understand. Well, the end of the book. Yeah. I've, yeah. For, for some reason I thought they were talking about a second season for who. Oh my gosh. That would be right. amazing. Yeah. I hope so. Make it happen. Right, if they so could do it for, it thir- <laughs> yeah, if they put it out, if they could do it for 13 reasons why, why can't they oh do it for gosh. little yeah. fires yeah. everywhere? Yeah. I'm totally down for it. Um, but I would love to see where Izzy ends up because even that was kind of confusing because in a sense, it looked like Mia picked up Izzy off the side of the road but that's not the case and so i would love um 
for this the series to pick up where Izzy is. Did she go back home? Did she, you know, find her own way? Is she finally living her individ individuality? At the end of the day, she set her family free. So I would like to know if she returns back to her family. Absolutely. Because you have to imagine, you know, even if she's off with the Warrens to some degree, if she finds them, that that's probably not going to be a permanent situation. Yeah. Right. So I would love to see that. I would love to see if, uh, you know, Lexi does the right thing and she still goes to Yale or she, you know, she goes somewhere else. Um, and if Elena, you know, finally can come to terms with who she wants to be, does she move to New York, you know, to finally be part of the New York Times? Or is the Shaker Times just another reminder of who she who she wanted to be, but life didn't turn out that way? I think that this series could go so many directions, but I don't think it would be the same unless me right. and Pearl came back to Shaker. Absolutely. So, so yeah, just to update you, because I pulled it up as as we were talking, um, so Celeste Ng, um, who wrote and obviously produced the series, said that she would never say never to a second season. And All right. the, um, one of the producers or showrunners said that she was definitely open to a second season um, because it was one of her you know, most joyous creative experiences. And I think I think I also saw um, Reese and Carrie said they would be on board. So probably a lot of work that needs to be done, um, but we can hope because this was such an incredible series um and like you i have a lot of hope for these characters and personally as someone who's a therapist and fascinated by mental health i think telling a story of how these two families cope with this trauma would be really fascinating um, absolutely I would love to see how they move forward so we're, we're putting that out into the universe um hoping that it comes to fruition so um yeah so Patrice, I wonder um, if we were to do some reviews, you know, I, you know, typically on the show, I'll do, you know, a review of uh, one to five stars, how much we like the show, but also a, a sort of evaluation of how accurate we felt like the show or movie sort of depicted a mental health issue. So we talked about things like codependency, um, you know, uh, mixed families, all these different uh, aspects of mental health being portrayed. Um, so first I'll ask you, you know, if you had to rate this series and this story on a scale of one to five, just for pure entertainment enjoyment, where would you rate it? Um, I would say it's a four because I think like the first episode was kind of slow and you didn't know where it was going. And then boom, right when you get to two, you automatically want to go to three, which turns into four. So I would say I would give it a four. I think it was a very um, great storyline to the point that we want to, you know, a second season. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I agree with you. It's um, so it's eight episodes. So it is a mini series, very bingeable, right? Yes. And incredible acting. I mean, even if you're just um, looking for a really well acted, produced story, this is a fantastic one, especially Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington, you know, two fantastic actors who when they're on screen together, it's just like you can kind of feel the tension most of the time. Yes. Obviously, they, they have some good moments, too. But um, when they're when they're kind of going at it with one another, it is incredible television. So um, but in terms of the mental health pieces, I think there's a lot of stuff here. We could probably we could probably talk for another hour with some of the issues that have come up with these two families. But I actually think it was very well portrayed. And that's a credit both to the writing, to the acting in terms of how both kids and in some cases, unfortunately, adults um, impact each other. 
Oh, so I wonder how you felt about that as well. Oh, I would definitely give it a five. Um, I think it was phenomenal. I um, am a clinic super, clinical supervisor as well. And so uh, my supervisees were actually using this as supervision to, um, you know, dissect, diagnose, come up with a treatment plan. And so I think they did a very good job considering, I believe, that this took place in the 90s. Um, it's really fascinating how this story is very prevalent to right now. Um, so it was very interesting to watch the mental health components, um, as well as, you know, the racial trauma that happens um, at this point um, in, you know, in our year. So I would say that I would definitely give it an A++ when it came to the different mental and emotional components. Um, there are shows that, you know, kind of touch uh, on it, but don't really, you know, make it as um, genuine as possible. And I think that they knocked it out the park. Like I'm very impressed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we talked about some, some issues that, you know, uh, people watching this show could kind of take away from whether that's, you know, if you're trying to work on a codependent relationship, as you said, you know, this is not cookie cutter advice, but it, we are kind of talking about some of the things that help break down this codependency. So, you know, we talked about emotional honesty, transparency, you know, being able to support each other's independence, um, you know, with the Richardsons, I mean, we could, we could start anywhere, but, you know, obviously the idea of perfection being possible is, is a really rough way to raise your kids. And, you know, there are, there are goals and, and things that you can help them set without putting them under such pressure that they're going to start, you know, really doing things or using, let's say maladaptive coping skills to make your, um, expectations either come to reality or sort of like, you know, struggle under the pressure of those expectations. Absolutely. Very well put. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and thank you so much again for coming on. I, I, this is a really great conversation. I hope that, um, our listeners were able to take away, learn a little bit about, you know, these families and the issues that were portrayed in the movie. And uh, I would love Patrice to have you again on the show sometime. I know there's a lot of other, uh, possible issues we talked about. Yes, I would love to come back on. Great. So before we finish up for today, please um, plug all the different things that you're working on. I know you have a lot of projects going on right now. <laughs> yes. So, I, I mean, well, yeah, my project, I do have a lot of projects. Hopefully I'll take a little break. I just literally finished the last degree of my life, uh, my doctorate. So I hope to... Congratulations. Um, Thank you. I hope to use that um, in any way, you know, that's helpful um, to the communities as far as mental health goes. Um, but you can always check me out on my website, um, patriceanddouglas.com. I've been featured in many publications, Forbes, Cosmopolitan, um, Vice, O Magazine, where I'm talking from, uh, you know, how to approach your doctor about um, pain and illness that you're feeling to uh, what is a sexless marriage. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Patrice Nicole, uh, Twitter and Facebook, Patrice and Douglas. And um, if you want to check out my podcast, which is going to have new episodes in the very near future, it's uh, popculturetherapypodcast.com. Wonderful. Thank you again so much, Patrice, for coming on the show. Uh, please, everyone, definitely check out Patrice's work. In particular, her Instagram is awesome. Um, you're doing a lot of good stuff with some of the stuff that's happening in pop culture right now, answering a lot of good questions. Um, so thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, congratulations again on the doctorate. That's that's awesome. And, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>